What's up everybody, Brad here, back again. It has been a busy week. Microsoft dropped two new pieces of hardware. Sony put out some specs. Facebook did some bad stuff. Blackberry, they said goodbye. But before we dive in, in June, I will be at the Shift Happens Conference in Washington, DC, talking about digital transformation. And I'll be there with my buddy, Paul, and, uh, and Mary Jo for that matter. And so if that sounds good to you, you can find that link in the description. But let's dive in, shall we? Because this week, Microsoft did a bunch of good stuff. Uh, well, depending on what side of the coin you're on, I guess. First up, Microsoft announced a $9,000 new piece of hardware. Now, we knew about this device. They talked about it. But now we know all the specs, the availability, and everything else. It is called the Surface Hub 2S. And it is a giant mobile computer. It's, uh, it, it's going to come in two varieties. We'll talk about that in a second. But the 50-inch variety, which costs you nine grand, will get you a core i5 processor, eight gigs of DDR4 RAM, 128 gigs of M.2 storage, a 4K Plus display, uh, 4K cameras, Farfield microwave, micro, microwave, yes, it comes, no, mic array, and it, costs, and it well, weighs about 62 pounds, and it'll arrive in June. And so if you're not familiar with a service up, it is a giant touch-friendly pen input collaboration display designed for the conference room. Although Microsoft actually worked with a couple partner companies and they're actually gonna allow you to put this thing on batteries and roll it around on an upright easel looking thing if you really want. Now there is a 50 inch variety coming in June. They're also gonna have an 85 inch 16 by nine variety that will arrive next year. So that's not quite there. And we don't know the price on it yet, but it is a behemoth. And I don't think it rotates like the uh, 2S does or eventually the 2X. So yeah, that is coming. This was all announced in New York. And one interesting anecdote about this hardware is that you can actually buy it without the compute. So what you're basically buying is a computer and a touchscreen and a giant touch-friendly canvas input thing that works with Teams and Enterprise and all that stuff. But if you already have a compute, like a computer or whatever, and you don't really need that extra horsepower, all you need is a large, beautiful, touch-friendly and pen-friendly display, well, Microsoft will sell it to you. They didn't tell us the price, but basically you can buy a 50-inch 4K plus Surface Monitor if you really want. I imagine it's not going to be cheap in any capacity, but all that good stuff. The other interesting thing, too, is Microsoft showed off in more detail the modular nature of the backside of it, which they say will allow you to just pull out the compute, put in a new one, and then you'll be able to upgrade it to the 2X, which comes out, uh, which is supposed to come out next year. The one thing to keep in mind is that system, that, that modular system, is going to be what powers the next generation Surface Studio. I, yeah, so just keep that in mind. This is not something that's going to be only in those devices. So this thing is super neat. It's super expensive for the, the lay person, but for uh, corporations, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, moving on here. Facebook, if you didn't need any more reasons to hate the company, used yesterday, which if you're not aware of what politically motivated things happened yesterday, I'm not even going to even dabble in that stuff. But it was a, a lot, of, it was taken over all the news feeds. Uh, Facebook decided, oh yeah, hey, we, we screwed up some more and had some more uh, unsecured plain text passwords and more people were exposed and we stole some contact information. And they chose yesterday to silently update an old blog post. If you needed any more reason to not trust Facebook, there you go. Funny enough, Facebook is supposedly working on their own Cortana, Amazon, Google Home, Siri competitor and I can't imagine why nobody will buy that and they're also their stupid little Facebook portal thing uh, is on sale for Mother's Day because if your mother has ever said hey I want a company that I don't trust to put a camera in my house that is always on you can buy her one of those dumb things uh, Google updated Android well 
sort of, they have a new browser ballot screen, which is the same sort of thing Microsoft had to do way back uh, with Windows 7 and all that good stuff. And even, yeah. So uh, the browser ballot screen is now live on Android for those in the EU, which is part of their settlement. And I'm sure that will be an ongoing process of uh, updating and massaging all that, if you will. Edgium, which is Microsoft's version of Edge based on Chromium, has been updated and it fixed the one bug that I had. Uh, the one bug that I had was that I used TweetDeck in a, a wrapper. I basically installed as a web app and in the recently installed web apps, it wasn't showing up. None of them were. And now and now they updated and it's fixed. Great. Uh, if you haven't tried it out, it's basically Chrome, but without the Google bits, right? So it's the Microsoft Eyed version. Um, I've been using it for several weeks. It works really dang well. And so if you've been wanting to try to get away from what the Google camp and Firefox wasn't quite cutting it for you, you've now got Edgium. And um, honestly, it, it, it's fine. It, it'll work for just about everybody. Keep in mind that certain things don't sync quite yet, like passwords and other fields, uh, but that is coming. But again, for passwords, you should be using a password manager of some sort. Don't let your browser keep your passwords because that's then you're locked into those browsers, which is a big pain in the butt. So yeah, go grab it. I, I think everybody should give it a shot and just see what they think because I, I think you'll come away pretty happy. Um, thinking of things that you should, probably shouldn't give a shot to is the Samsung Galaxy Fold, which did sell out according to Samsung, but we don't know how many they are actually making. Are they making 50? Are they making 100? Whatever. You probably shouldn't buy one anyways. It's $1,980, and by now you've probably seen that they are breaking all over the place, and they're breaking in many different ways. There is the big controversy, if you will. There's a, a, a screen protect screen protector that is not a screen protector on the device and some reviewers were peeling it off and that basically destroyed the device because it's actually a functional layer of the display but there were other people who had issues with the hinge where dust and dirt and other things got underneath it potentially or something got under there and caused a little bubble on the display so the, the thing to keep in mind here is that you should not be buying this thing for any reason other than the novelty factor you're you're basically a guinea pig at this point. Samsung is rushing this stuff out the door. It's very clear that based on the limited number of review units out there and the high percentage of issues that are happening, it's not for the, it's not for you. Um, unless, unless 1980 bucks isn't a lot of money, in which case buy two and ship one to me because I, I'm not going to be buying one of those, but uh, it, it's just something to keep aware of. It's new technology. It's a new device. It feels rushed. And so, yeah, and there's a lot of other companies that are coming to market with these types of devices, probably this year, potentially. And so it might be just worth waiting to see which is the best of breed for this new style of phone. I'm not saying I don't like the form factor. I think there's some value to it, but it's just like Gen 1 of everything, right? My first CD burner that I was, uh, actually my father bought it for me way back when, was this big. Like the front of it, it was, it looked like the front was the size of a brick and it was like, two feet long and it was a 2x cd burner but now they became they became really fast and efficient hell we don't even use cd burners anymore point being that technology matures things get better unless you really want to be that early adopter now on the gaming side we all know the story here uh sony dumped their specs but if you watched the video previously on this channel you know that they really didn't tell us anything just quick wrap up amd zen 2 8 cores uh navi gpu and unnamed a specified feature of the solid state drive that we don't know that is supposedly faster than what we currently have in the PC industry, uh, 3D audio, but nothing along the lines of bandwidth, T-flops, or um, the actual, the hertz that they're running at, or the clock speed, I should say. So interesting, but not fulfilling, if that makes sense. On the Microsoft side, they had things that were 
uh, maybe fulfilling, but not interesting. They announced the Xbox One S All Digital Edition, which was codenamed Maverick, which I scooped many months ago. Uh, I should stop patting myself on the back on that one. I think I've done it enough now. But the problem is, is that it's 249 bucks. Comes with three games: uh, Minecraft, Forza Horizon 3, and um, Sea of Thieves. But if you don't want those three games, it's not a good value. It's really not. I, I still suspect that we're going to see this stuff drop in price pretty quickly once it actually hits retail. And not those. I don't know who's going to be an early adopter of this thing because unless unless you have like a real affinity for hating uh, physical media, there's still no reason to actually buy this thing. It's kind of in that Samsung Galaxy Fold uh, genre, if you will. Wait for the price to drop. I, I fully expect that around the holiday season, this thing will become quite cheap. It will be much cheaper than the, the well, for right now you can get a $232 Xbox One S with Battlefield 5 and Apex Founders Pack from Amazon shipped. So just keep that in mind. Also on the gaming side, a little bit of Halo hype here, if you will. I've been digging into this one. Um, I was on Double Barrel Podcast a while ago, and we kept talking about the $500 million budget for the next generation Halo. Now, I've been trying to get like an actual figure here because it's it's very hard to do. First off, I don't think it's actually $500 million. It's probably somewhere in that region, but that's a very round number. But aside from that point, I am hearing that that budget is uh, relatively accurate. And so this is going to be, uh, careers are going to be made or broken on this. Microsoft is investing a significant amount of money in bringing this product to life uh, and also includes the new engine. And so when people say, hey, it's got a massive budget, the answer is actually yes, it does have a massive budget and Microsoft is going all in on this. I'm also hearing that Microsoft or Halo uh, 343 is going to bring Battle Royale to the next generation Halo game. Now, it's I don't know what form it's going to take. I'm hearing that it's going to have some Halo-esque to it. Like They're not going to just rip Fortnite and Apex Legends at this point because when it ships, uh, it's, it's going to be pretty late if you think about it from when those games released. And so they don't want to you know, replicate exactly what they're doing, but they're going to bring something along that flavor to the next generation Halo multiplayer. Still working on the exact details, but it is in the early development stages, so things can and often will change. They are also working on a new trailer for E3. Not a big surprise there. I am hearing that it might actually kick off the show. So we will we will see. Granted, order of the E3, po E3 podcast, E3 keynote can and will change, but just know that it might be pretty early on that we learn more about Halo Infinite as they try to build up hype for that IP because Microsoft is putting a lot of money into games and IP for the next generation. Now, we've got a bunch of questions this week, a bunch, and we are going to dive through them as we always do. Let me refresh the page here. All right, kicking it off with Razif says, Will Microsoft's Windows Core OS still be available this year? HoloLens 2 Simulator does not work on Windows Core OS. What will happen to this project? So that is not actually a correct statement. There was a, a Twitter thread and some posts that went out there that says, hey, Halo 2 is not, or Halo 2, HoloLens 2 is not running Windows Core OS. It actually, I believe it actually is. If you go back and look, there's no, there's a long Twitter thread about this saying, hey, there's just been some confusion. I believe it actually is running Windows Core OS. Now, the interesting thing here is that Surface Hub 2 is supposed to be running on Windows Core OS. We know that the 2X is. I don't think the 2S that was announced this week actually runs Windows Core OS. So keep that in mind. Uh, GameZone says, have you heard anything more about Microsoft's attempt to enter the PC gaming other than the previous leaks? Why would publishers with their own PC launchers agree to this? I haven't 
Well, I, I don't know exactly explicitly what you're referring to, but I haven't heard anything else yet. But I know that Microsoft is in the process of revamping their store and their delivery models and how it's going to work cross-platform on the consoles. So I think we got to stay tuned for this. I think we, I'm hoping, candidly, that we're going to hear more at E3 about how Microsoft is hoping to actually kind of... I need to do a, a video just on this, but the PC gaming market has kind of fragmented a little bit you've got like the epic store you've got the steam store you've got the microsoft store for the high-end user it's very easy but for the novice gamer it's much harder to get into pc gaming than it is console gaming so um, i haven't heard anything yet along that front that i'm willing to talk about yet that i know for sure but there are i'm hoping i'm hoping at e3 microsoft will start talking about this along with pc game pass which i know is coming too uh, Walter says, I'm enjoying Paul's series on the Microsoft New Edge. A lot of attention has been paid to the fact that there are a ton of Google services stripped and that this is great for people who just want to use their Microsoft account. How does this work in the mobile world? On Android phone, you pretty much need a lot of Google services to have a great synced experience. iPhone is a little bit different. Uh, do you think this is going to play in with the Microsoft launcher and how is this all going to work? Well, a couple things to keep in mind. Obviously, you can download Edge, the mobile version of Edge on your Android and iOS devices. That is one way it's going to sync. On Android, obviously, they're going to push the Microsoft launcher because then it can tie into everything super easy. So there's a, there's a multi-tiered answer to this. One, if you just download the Microsoft launcher, that solves all the problems. What I think he's referring to is that you still need generally a, a Gmail account with Android. You generally need, you're still going to want to use Google Maps and all that stuff. And how's it all going to sync? Well, there is going to be a little bit of differentiation there. There has to be because if you're using a Microsoft account for all your stuff and then you jump into, into Google Maps, it's not going to sync. You could use Bing Maps, but I don't, I don't think you want to do that. Um, so to answer your question, if you're really concerned about it, just download uh, Microsoft Launcher on Android. If you're not too concerned about it, then just just juggle the two accounts like most of us have been doing for, for decades, honestly. I have a Gmail account. I have an Outlook account, depending on the service, depending on what I'm logged in with. Uh, Razif says, will Microsoft, Aved Microsoft Edge be available on Linux? Now, Microsoft has not officially said yes. It is coming to Mac. It is coming to iOS. Well, it's already on iOS and Android and obviously Windows and Windows 7, uh, even Windows 8. And so I bet, I bet you could probably get this thing running on XP if you really wanted to. That said, Linux, uh, there was a Twitter thread, and I can't remember the developer's name from Microsoft, but they said, hey, we understand that this is a want. Uh, it's, I believe, not a lot of work to actually get it over to uh, Linux. It's just not a direct priority right now. I bet we will see it. I, I realistically think long-term, Microsoft will eventually release it on Linux. I bet they do. Uh, Simon says, do you watch eSports, PUBG, or is your sports viewing mainly golf? So... Sports I watch a lot are golf and football, which work really well because golf typically ends right around the time football spins up. And when football is done, golf spins back up. So it's kind of a full year thing. My wife just really loves it. Do I watch any esports? I do on occasion. Um, I do like watching PUBG. I've watched Apex Legends. Um, I've watched a little bit of Fortnite on Twitch. Candidly, is almost all on Twitch. Typically with and CSGO. What am I thinking? How did I forget CSGO? Um, typically when there's large tournaments near the end, I will jump on and just kind of see who wins and see how things go out. I, it's an interesting medium, right? I, I still think Amazon has positioned itself to become the ESPN of esports gaming. And I think that's going to do very well for them. And I think esports gaming is going to continue to grow up and, uh, kind of just, you know, as each new game comes out, become more pervasive and more just kind of understood by by the mainstream i still think esports gaming is a a niche uh market if you will 
but as it gets more broadly available uh, and better understood, I think it I think its future is going to be really bright and green. Mr. PKI says, "Do you think the do you think the standard Xbox One S will quickly drop in price with the new digital only version coming to market?" I so interesting question. I don't think the Xbox One S will drop quickly. I think the Xbox One S all digital. Because the reason why I say that is that Microsoft in clear language. Now, this wouldn't be the first time they've broken a promise that they put in a PR. Said that the all digital edition will always be $50 less than the Xbox One S. So if the Xbox One S drops quickly, that means the all digital edition has to drop even faster. And so I don't see them really lowering the floor too much on the Xbox One S, but on the all digital, I expect retailers to be cutting that price pretty quickly. Otherwise, they're going to have some uh, stock that just kind of sits on store shelves. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, Rojorji. Yeah. It says, why is Xbox confident they can stay ahead of Sony in specs for the next generation console? Well, let's just, let's just realistically think about this for a second. We know that AMD is building Sony's processor. We know that they're building Microsoft's processor. We know that Microsoft is using Navi-based graphics. We also know that Sony is using Navi-based graphics. They're not supposed to be talking to each other at AMD. They're supposed to have a conflict wall in place. I can almost guarantee you that both companies knew each other's specs, at least in some capacity, before everything else. Now, that being said, Microsoft very clearly could just go to AMD, I bet, because they're a massive partner and say, look, uh, we want a faster processor than Sony. You don't have to tell us what it is. We don't, we don't need to know. We just, just guarantee us that whatever you're building for us, it's going to be more than Sony's and we'll pay for it. Because Microsoft's using this two-pronged approach, uh, two-pronged approach uh, with Lockhart and Anaconda, they have two different price brackets they got to hit. And so on the upper end, if they're within a reasonable amount, keeping it, uh, I mean, would you pay $50 more for an Xbox Anaconda if it was more powerful than Sony's? Maybe you would. We'll see. We'll see what Microsoft's pricing strategy is. We're not going to know pricing for a long time. Although $499 seems to be the pretty logical price point for these next generation consoles, as they were with some previous stuff. And then we'll look at Lockhart, and I bet it'd be closer to like maybe $299, I bet. I think that seems pretty reasonable, depending on how they, they differentiate specs. Uh, we will see there. We will see. But I think it's pretty easy for Microsoft to say, we'll just keep throwing money at it and make it more powerful than whatever Sony's got. And now that they know their core count and what their graphics are based on, they've got a little bit of a leg up. I mean, realistically, we'll, we'll find out here at E3 where I expect Microsoft to announce the soft specs for the next generation consoles, which is exactly what Sony announced, right? The, the hardware, but not the clock speeds or the T-flops or the performance stuff like that. So, yep. HRLN GRV says, with all the tech gadgets you let your kid use, uh, what are you going to do when your school gives her a Chromebook? Um, as of right now, I, I believe her school is an iPad school. So I, I don't think Chromebooks are in my near future. I think eventually they will get the Chromebooks, uh, maybe in the upper schools, but uh, at least at the school she's at right now. So it'll be an iPad. But candidly, I don't care. I mean, what? it's going to be interesting to watch how she grew up with computers versus how I grew up. She's primarily going to grow up on a web-only world, so a Chromebook is fine. And being completely candid, I think by the time that, well, I don't know, because this might start in the fall, so maybe not. I was thinking um, Edgebooks or whatever, Windows Lite-based things, so which is Windows Lite is Microsoft's Chrome OS competitor, will be out in the relatively near future. I, second half of this year might be too early. Um, but that could also be something that they use because actually her IT infrastructure at her school 
who I've talked to because I'm, I'm a nerd like that, actually does use Windows 10. So they have Windows on the back end and then it's just iPads on the front end. So it wouldn't be too far to, too, too big of a stretch for see them to switch to say like LightOS or something like that. Um, JLV632 says, with Microsoft winding up the books with refunds for all, how could you see them winding up movies and TV? Surely refunds in the average price of the movie wouldn't be possible. And if I read online movies anywhere could be an option. However, the only service is Microsoft and Microsoft serves movies and not TV and only sorts out North America. Any clues? So good question. So if you recap here, what Microsoft did was they shut down the, the ebook store in their store. Uh, and, and rather than trying to do something fancy, like transfer your titles to like Amazon or something, they said, screw it. Here's all your money back, probably because they knew that not many people bought books through there. Now, movies and TV, a little bit different. I suspect that the uptake on that is a little bit higher than the bookstore. So what he's alluding to here is on in the US, what they could do is movies anywhere. Be like, look, all your stuff just transfers over. Just you have digital entitlements. Just move them over to another platform. Bada bing, bada boom. But it doesn't take care of TV shows. In theory, they might just do refunds depending on how much it's going to cost them. I don't quite know. And they may not shut it down. I don't know the overhead of keeping that stuff online anymore, but you can bet that Microsoft is very much looking at what they're going to do with that service because, it, again, it's just kind of an outlier. They don't have a music service anymore. They got rid of group. They don't have books. They shut that down. Uh, they've got this movies and TV service just kind of out there. Real advice here, folks, is don't buy your stuff through that movies and TV app. It, it, it's not worth the risk at this point unless you're like really dedicated to it or if you think you're going to get some money back or something, but you're you're basically playing with the or dancing with the devil here because you know at some point this is going to get shut down or something's going to happen you just don't know what it is yet so it's an interesting question uh jfl cara says do you think the optical drive they excluded from the xbox one all digital edition actually cost microsoft 50 dollars, or are they taking a bigger hit somehow with the actual sales cut uh which so da -da -da -da. Here's what I, th that it's a, first off, it's a Blu-ray, Blu-ray drive, which Microsoft has to pay a royalty on to the Blu-ray con consortium. Um, so there's that. There's also some other licensing things that have to go on. Was it a $50 part? I don't believe that. My, I, I bet it was closer to like 10 or 15 bucks per device, all in, including the hardware, the licensing and all that stuff. There's some efficiencies that Microsoft has gained, right? The Xbox One S is not a new device. So they're clearly making that device. It's costing them less money to make that hardware than it did when it initially came out. Also, they're going to have a revision of, uh, of the hardware in the fall. I believe it's called the E-Model. We will see that. I don't think the consumer is going to see anything about this, right? This is just an internal uh, refractoring of the hardware. So that will help them reduce the cost as well. What's going <laughs> to... Where are they getting that additional funds from? Um, I think they're I think they're just taking it off the margin. I think is part of it. Also, I still firmly believe that Microsoft is using this device to test the waters to see if what they can do next generation can involve not having physical a physical media drive version, which potentially could be one of the devices. I'd be curious to see what Microsoft's going to do here. Uh, Rick says, "Do you expect any Surface devices with Thunderbolt three this year?" Unfortunately, I actually. I don't know yet. I don't know. Microsoft was supposed to make that decision, honestly, not too long ago. I suspect that we won't. because The reason why I say that is because not all devices are using USB-C yet. And now they can make the really dumb argument. Look, we're just going to wait until USB 4 spec comes around in like another year. And then everything will just be built in. It'll be simpler. Because right now, I, I do agree, it is a little confusing. You have USB-C, you have Thunderbolt that use the same thing. It's not clear cut about what supports what. 
Further, I also know that Microsoft is working on uh, Surface devices that are not using Intel chips, which means that they've got to make the Thunderbolt work with AMD chips and with Snapdragon stuff. So I don't think so. Actually, now that I say that out loud, I suspect that we'll see USB Type-C on everything, but I don't think we will see Thunderbolt 3 this year. Uh, and then Yoshi says, maybe I'm just a pessimist, but the launch of the all-digital Xbox has me concerned about the launch of the next-gen consoles. With the odd price at $249, it almost feels as if Microsoft still doesn't get it. I just don't understand how nobody thought, hey, this thing is close to, too close to the regular S pricing. I guess my question is, how does this raise... does does this raise the same concern for you as well? Or should we feel confident with Microsoft Next Gen? I, I've said this a couple times. I, I think there's something missing from the Xbox One S all digital announcement. That $249 price point doesn't feel right. And I cannot imagine that Microsoft sat around the conference room table and looked at the pricing and said $249 for this makes sense. And not a single person went on Amazon and looked up what an actual Xbox One S with bundled games is actually selling for. There is something missing to this narrative. And the only thing that I've been able to conclude is that they had to say the MSRP was 249 and they expect retailers to cut it down because currently, technically speaking, the Xbox One S, that version back there, I believe the MSRP is 299. Nobody's paying that. So I expect that when these things actually get past the pre-orders and all that stuff, they will cut the price. I still think this was a wrong move on Microsoft's part because they should have gotten a lot of positive press out of this, announcing new hardware, but they shot themselves in the foot with the pricing being too expensive. It just doesn't make sense, and it was not a good marketing decision by Microsoft. It's unfortunate because they're taking a risk, right, removing that thing, and they have the data. Microsoft knows how many people are just downloading games and how many people are using physical disks. That's why they came out with this. What they didn't do their research on correctly was the pricing. And if they couldn't get the pricing they wanted, they honestly probably shouldn't have shipped the hardware. That's my feeling on that. So guys, that wraps it up for this week. Another, I love all the questions. I love every, all the engagement. Um, hopefully the Halo information makes some people happy. We've got more stuff on the horizon in the near future. Have yourselves a wonderful Passover, Easter, or whatever you're doing this weekend. And we'll catch you right back here next time.